So welcome, yeah, welcome to the second half. So preparing for today's show and living through the past 22 months, 23 months, it's had me thinking a lot, of, obviously, about art and the plague. And I remember at the beginning, there was that whole guilt-trippy self-improvement crap about how supposedly Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein during an outbreak of the cholera in Switzerland. So why haven't you composed, like, I don't know, the present-day Ode to Joy or started a successful gig app company? And, of course, ignoring um, the fact working-class people had to work, either from home, and, of course, a lot of people didn't get to stay at home as beginning of the plague, including comrades at Locust Review who ended up catching COVID. Um, so this whole capitalized on the supposed free time of the pandemic thing ignored also the, the sort of terror and the death and the loss and the trauma, which is something we were bringing up in the, in the current editorial about how uh, capitalism's like ideological sort of apparatchiks have published data on the impact of mourning and grief on labor productivity, sort of trying to maximize what they're calling creativity in the face of constant existential trauma. Uh, There's actually an article published in the Journal of Applied Psychology where the authors, noting that previous research showed being constantly exposed to death had a negative impact on employee creativity, and they were excited that current employees seem to be rising to the occasion and being creative anyway. Of course, because they were given no choice, because that's been the model of lean production for a few decades. And they put a new uh, disorder in the DSM called Prolonged Grief Disorder, uh, PGD, to describe a situation in which the normal grieving, grieving process is interrupted. And of course, it's not like actually a disorder because that's what's happening. Uh, because uh, the uh, 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 the pandemic doesn't stop. So I think this coming out of the last conversation that we were having here, um, we don't want to, like, obviously re-traumatize people going through trauma already in terms of the pandemic. Um, but what does it mean to, like, cultural gestures, artistic gestures, writing and so on, as well as any political activity that acknowledges the pandemic but refuses that kind of pandemic realism i you know i guess we could like coin the phrase pandemic irrealism um which i think is also related to the rhythm question like how do we have cultural events that both in terms of their form their actual relationship to epidemiology as well as their content um cut against this mass acceptance of mass death the nine we've just reached nine hundred thousand people but all the headlines are, you know, like cases decline as we reach 900,000 deaths, you know. OK, with Omicron, there is a greater chance of reinfection from o- you can't even be immune from Omicron. Omicron doesn't even help you become more immune from Omicron. right? <laughs> like it doesn't even shield you from getting Omicron again. Right. And BA2 is even even more so. But so much so that we've just found out um, the UK just released, just released deaths that happened from reinfection from Omicron. Omicron deaths that were reinfections, which uh, leads us to, well, leads to the, the fact that they actually hadn't been showing numbers related to reinfections <laughs> and deaths that came out of reinfections. So all of the numbers, I mean, the numbers are so completely downplayed. But but this connected to this problem of, of 
mass psychology. And uh, I think that there's a this sense, this kind of common sense that what helps people is not talking about things. What helps people is distracting people. What helps people is saying, oh, things are getting better. What helps people is saying, um, is giving a rosy scenario and saying things like you're not going to get reinfected when most countries in the world right now are admitting that you can get reinfected, like the very same day right, that other countries are saying, hey, by the way, here are our, here are our reinfection numbers. The US CDC going, you know, hey, you know, immunity is, is, is the case for immunity is stronger than ever, right? But it's actually the opposite. And we know this, one of the, one of the greatest predictors of ongoing trauma and a lack of resilience is, um, you know, what, I mean, what's kind of commonly called gaslighting, but, but it, it really isn't, you know, really isn't that kind of exact term from the movie gaslighting, right? It's the denial of people's narrative, the denial of people's reality, and what ends up causing more mental health issues is, are people who are, particularly amongst young people, are people who are going through loss, who are losing their parents, who are losing their grandparents, or losing their caregivers, and they're not even allowed to talk about it. They're not given the language to talk about it. They're going out, they're living in two worlds. They're living in the reality of their real world, which is total devastation. And then they're going out in the other world where people are going to restaurants and they're being told that nothing's happening and nothing's going wrong, wrong at all. And it's this kind of bifurcation that actually is what causes damage. So what really causes damage is when people can't get a narrative, when people can't, when people aren't sutured into the into the story. So this is why people have worse outcomes when their traumas are personal as a child, as opposed to when they go through mass devastations that other people partake in, right? Like when you go through a mass devastation, you have a you have a story, it becomes the story of your people that you share with other people. Right? These kind of private privatized devastations, it never gets it becomes this secret. It becomes these kind of things that 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 aren't a part of a narrative, and and this is what we're we're kind of mass going through this. We're mass going through all of these these private stories. We can't even acknowledge what's going on. And the more we don't talk about this with one another, the in the name of of mental health, right? Like, oh, I don't want to be depressing. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. The, actually, the sicker we're going to be.